Uh, hello, everybody. This is Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager. I'm here with uh, Bernardo Batiz Lazio. Is it Batiz Lazio? Lasso. And we're going to talk about uh, Bitcoin right now and cryptocurrency in general. Um, why don't you give my listeners a, a history of uh, just a brief history of Bitcoin, please? Right. Uh, well, uh, from from my point of view, we, we can we can look at it from two from two perspectives. One of them is Bitcoin itself, and the other one is trying to find a solution for digital currency. So Bitcoin itself was was launched uh, famously in two thousand and and eight with a white paper by an unknown unknown person or persons called uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, in which they proposed um, this digital currency on the basis of something that is called or has been known known, uh, as blockchain, which more generally has been renamed as distributed ledger technology, which we'll we'll explain what this is in in a moment. Why this change? Uh, Well, because... Uh, the idea of having a decentralized uh, database evolved and it's not necessarily the configuration that uh, Sakamoto promoted, but the idea of a decentralized um, uh, this, this decentralized database uh, has been picked up and, and evolved. So that, this is a little bit of the, of the origin. So, so um, on the on, well, on the, at the same time, what, what, what you have is the, this popularization of the cryptocurrency as a way to exchange payments between individuals. Um, you had very quickly between 2008 and 2013, a number of people who are called uh, Bitcoin miners, and we can explain what, what, that, what that is in a, in a moment, um, growing in sophistication uh, in terms of um, the hardware that they use from creating these new bitcoins uh, using you know normal computers to dedicated equipment and and also in terms of the large number of of people so let let's uh, if you're okay let's um stop there for a moment and try to put this in a larger historical context is that okay with you ben oh no that's fine that's exactly what i want to do okay excellent so um, there, there, there are a num- two or three things that I, I think it's worth mentioning to put this into, into a larger context. On, on the one hand, is uh, on a more, if you want, to conceptual level, what is money and where does money come from? And, and broadly speaking, you have two views on this. One of them is the, the view that populates the, the, the media and the press and uh, certainly first-year economic books, uh, it, it might root in my, I understand it roots to Adam Smith, but, but I have some, some uh, I haven't checked it, but that's, that's another story, in which you basically see the evolution of money in terms of efficiency primarily, and then some of the qualities of money appearing uh, around that, primarily that, that of store of value. And, and, and this view, uh, this popular view um, says that people um, 
basically engage in, in barter, but barter was inefficient because, you know, how do you ascertain the, how many ducks you are going to exchange for a cow um, uh, by itself, you know, and, and, you know, if you don't have enough ducks, uh, what is it, are you, going, are you going to keep the head of the cow or just uh, the tail or whatever have you? And, and then they, they use uh, another uh, commodity as a, as a numerary um, uh, or, or, or reference. And here you have the operation of uh, um, cocoa beans in Central America and shells in, in um, uh, Polynesia and so on and so forth. Um, since, since, you know, these were relatively uh, perishable or relatively popular, then it was more efficient again to move to uh, um, more of a scarce commodity such as gold and silver, and then um, from that to what is called uh, fiat money by issuing certificates of the amount of gold that uh, the apparition of banks uh, would have, and, and then instead of going to the bank and, and exchanging the 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 certificate, then you have uh, uh, the removal of this um, anchor of the system and the operation of, of, of fiat money. This is this is important because we're going to come back to that in terms of the cryptocurrencies in a, in a moment. So in these terms of, of greater efficiency, then it's almost inevitable that you you know you're going to find uh, bills and and coins to be less efficient than uh, digital currencies. Um, so that, that, that's one way of, of, of looking at things. Uh, another way of looking at things that I think fits much better into this um, story of Bitcoin is, is the so-called um, state theory of money. That's one of the names that, that, that it's given. And, and what, is the, what is the premise? The premise of this other view of money is that anything can be money. Well, what is money, money? Money is what helps you settle transactions. Why is this important? Because when I receive a, a service or a good from you, um, automatically there is a double entry in a ledger. I am uh, create, uh, you know, uh, creating uh, uh, an asset which you are receiving, yes, and you are creating a liability with me. Yeah. So sorry, you are receiving an asset. And creating a liability, yeah, and and you have to settle this liability by whatever I accept for payment of that liability, and that, according to this view, is money. Yeah, whatever the other person accepts, or the counterpart accepts to settle the liabilities that you that you have. Um, in those terms, then um, it's called the state theory of money because the you know famously one of the two things that you know after anybody's born is that they're going to die and pay taxes. So at the top of this pyramid of, of settlement of transactions is the payment of taxes. And whatever the state says that uh, is money and whatever the state accepts to settle its transactions, to, to settle taxes, that is what becomes money. That does not exclude other forms of money, such as certificates of deposit, treasury bills, um, even my, you know, air miles that people will trade. And in some instances, even in a more uh, local uh, family based, you know, trading 
between parents, you know, I, I, I would ask my, my children to mow the lawn and uh, in exchange they can use my car if they go, want to go out or they can get m uh, actual money if they want to go out with their, with their friends kind of thing. Um, so so this, this fits nicer with this idea of cryptocurrencies because you also have on, on both this a, a ledger or a register of transactions, yeah? And, and of debits and, and, and credits. Now, um, let's move again very fast in time or, or, or without um, uh, going into greater depth into these two, two theories, let, let's just keep this idea of what is money, whatever the other person accepts as, as, as uh, a settlement of, of transactions. Right at the start of the, um, I mean, there, there are at least two, in, two important instances in, in, in this other story. One of them happens around uh, 1971, 1970, when uh, the US uh, Fed, um, Federal Reserve Bank, uh, on the one hand, um, decommissions the $1,000 bill, yeah, and on the other hand, they start to uh, consider that trading in treasury bills, in actual physical treasury bills, is becoming uh, cumbersome. And they start to digitalize the trading of, of treasury bills. So these are the first instances where you have bank balances that are entirely uh, digitalized. 20 or 20 almost 30 years later with the advent of the, of the commercial internet, as, as you have a great development of, uh, of financial markets and of digital transactions through wholesale transactions in, uh, in, in, in financial markets in, in, in this period, the advent of the, of the commercial internet uh, for us consumers creates the issue of how are we gonna pay. And, and and there is a, a number of attempts to create some form of, of digital currency and some form of, to settle um, digital transactions in, in, within e-commerce. Um, many of, the, I mean, some of the early ones, uh, or, or I, I believe the first one is, took place in 1997, so very, very early on uh, in, in the Netherlands. Uh, there were some others. Um, and many, if not most of them, died with the collapse of the dot-com bubble. Yeah? Some of the few that remain, uh, or one of the notable, well, notable ones that, that remain from these uh, early attempts was PayPal, which is still around. Yeah? So this is very, very briefly trying to say that this issue of dealing with with digital transactions is, is long-lived and the apparition of cryptocurrencies is, I think, can be seen in, in a large, larger trajectory. Um, finally, just to, to um, wrap up this, this broad history of, of digital payment, we could, we could see or we could uh, therefore understand cryptocurrencies and particularly Bitcoin um, somewhat in a similar way from a period that in time in around the 19th century um, that is called the, the free banking period. And what is this free banking period? Basically, as 
<clears throat> before the, the, the introduction of, of national currencies, banks were doing something that we mentioned briefly before, which was they would issue a, a, a receipt for uh, the amount of gold that, that, that you would have. Yeah? And that was handy um, as a way to articulate commerce in, in, in long distances. Yeah? Eventually, the certificate of deposits, which, which still, they're still around, they're still used in international, uh, international trade. Uh, at some point, they were very popular in the US with all of the geographic restrictions you had in banking. Um, but but, but these this, this, um, certificates of deposits that evolve into, in, into um, uh, what we call now um, uh, banknotes, yeah, um, where you know, every bank would issue, um, you know, the certificate, the one of the main differences is a certificate of deposit is made only to you. Um, a banknote is, is more general and more tradable. Uh, a certificate of deposit would be valid to the extent that, you know, a bank in the vicinity would recognize the other's bank uh, deposit. It's a little bit the same with the with the banknote, but that, that's, let's leave that for on the side for a moment. The, the point that I'm trying to make here is that at one point in time in the in the U.S. and in other countries like, for example, in in Scotland, you had several banks issuing their own banknotes, and this was there was no uh, government intervention in, into this. And theoretically, uh, banks would uh, issue only to the extent that they had reserves. But um, very quickly, a number of, of, of bankers um, realized that they could issue much more uh, uh, currency, uh, banknotes than they had on, on reserve. And, and that was that worked well until people came and cashed in those banknotes, right? And and that was one of the reasons which which led to the um, creation of legal tender, which is just one of these banknotes being um, officially or recognized as as a form of payment throughout the law of of the land. Uh, an example of this uh, very clearly is the, the Bank of England in, in, in the UK. Um, the, the US has a slightly different, um, different story, but you have a number, you know, there is, 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 it's not immediate. You have a transition where um, banks of issue are, are government sponsored or government recognized. And then eventually the, these banks of issue uh, di effectively disappear. Uh, in most countries. Uh, again, in the UK, you still have banks of issue in Scotland and banks of issue in Northern Ireland, as well as bank of issue in, in, in England. So you have um, Scottish pounds and you have uh, Irish pounds as, as well. Um, so they, you know, they have not completely disappeared. Why is, why is this uh, relevant to our story of, of cryptocurrencies? Because just in the same way that Bitcoin is one type of digital currency that is based on a particular technology that we've called digital, uh, distributed ledger, ledger uh, technology. Um, you have other competitors to, or other people who have issued along the same 
lines or with slightly different uh, technology, but only based on the same idea, other cryptocurrencies, such as most popular one, Ethereum, and uh, but you have all sorts of, of, of other, uh, in, in they're called initial currency offerings, ICOs, yes, and you have all sorts of them, and you know, one of the most um, odd ones that come to mind is, uh, there. I think there was a um, kosher cryptocurrency, uh, and I think it's odd because I, I really don't understand, you know, how a digital transaction or or not the transaction itself but the currency itself needs to be kosher but but that's that's another story that was just to, to say you know that there are all sorts of 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 alternatives to bitcoin most of them uh, move in in tandem in terms of the value of bitcoin to um the us dollar um i think i'll i'll stop here and let you make a couple of questions or clarifications that you might want to make at this point. Well, yes, sir. Um, I, for one, actually totally get the parallel between what you call banks of issue and, and modern, uh, I guess, cryptocurrency. I feel like we're kind of in the beginning, the very, very beginning stages of basically a, for lack of a better way to say it, uh, a banking revolution. And, you know, uh, I mean, if you look at, like, just Apple or, you know, like, say, if Amazon came out with a cryptocurrency or... And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because I keep getting, like, people keep talking to me in my podcast when I interview people. They keep talking to me about, you know, money becoming digital and there's not too much further between a credit card and, and cryptocurrency. And... I see that there is because they're fundamentally backed up by dollars. But then at the other hand, I get what they're saying. Like, I understand that once you divorce yourself from greenbacks, as we say in America, uh, you can pretty much use anything you want, basically. Um, but I was just, um, what would be the, I guess, the, the main barrier between an average person using cryptocurrency say at the uh, uh, the grocery store or the market from today? Like, what do you see the, the main barrier to that would be? The main barrier has to do with, in my view, with in terms of, of skills and of risk in the system. It's not a problem of, of your everyday job to do it. But um, let, let, let's let's let, to, to try to exemplify this while still keeping our um, our foot in the previous example of, of banks of, of issue um, I mean Bitcoin ethereum the other cryptocurrencies have not really become mainstream yeah whereas the technology that has been uh, promoted or designed to make this work has been seriously considered by central banks and there is you know, a very big literature on what is called central bank digital currency. And, and what is the difference? The difference is that um, this idea of Bitcoin, of being a decentralized, uh, very libertarian type of, of proposition where you have no central bank, no authority, everything is based on, on, on code, yeah? Um, 
where, where the central bank uh, digital currency, you still have somebody in the middle, in this case, the, the, the central bank, which is still the, the, the issuer of, of, the, of the, of ultimately of, of the money supply, yeah, within the system again. How is this, or, or why is, what is this different? The, what, what the central banks are, are saying is, well, you know, this technology is interesting, and uh, perhaps we should use it. Why? Because what you have in the current system without cryptocurrencies is that ultimately your, uh, as your monetary assets ultimately lie in, in a bank balance. And the sum of those bank balances are then sitting on a balance in, in the central bank. Yes. Um, with a distributed ledger technology, if it's totally decentralized, then you do without the bank and the central bank. That is that is the the idea. Um, with cryptocurrency, I mean, with central bank digital currencies, what the, the proposition is 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 well, let's do at least those transactions between uh, the banks or the central bank and the bank within this technology, and then if it works, then we might let users, um, you know, everyday consumers do it. So to answer your question, what is the limitation? There is a limitation in terms of the amount of volume that this, the current um, systems can, can, with, can withhold. Um, my understanding is that in Bitcoin, you can make or clear up to 200 transactions per second, yeah? And, and Bitcoin specifically is designed to create or to be updated and create more, more Bitcoins every 10 minutes on average, but, but let's leave that aside for, for a minute. Um, a developed country economy like Germany, which still is very much cash oriented, or at least people do like cash. They don't like uh, plastic, yeah. Uh, but uh, Visa, MasterCard need a clearing system that can withhold 8,000 transactions per second with peaks of 25,000 transactions per second. So, you know, what the, here we have one big uh, problem. To get everybody into cryptocurrency, we would need to adopt or design a system for which the, the, this solution is not yet ready. It doesn't mean that it's impossible, it's just not yet ready. Secondly, I said there is an element of, of skills. At, at one point in time, you know, this was, uh, you know, two or three years ago when Bitcoin was becoming to be popularized and especially, um, well, not two or three years ago, but uh, after 2013, 2015, when 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 Bitcoin was going up through the roof, um, IT graduates that knew how to program uh, distributed, you know, this, this type of solutions, would get in the order of $250,000 per per year type of contract, right? So this just shows that there was not the skills for everybody to get into the system. And that brings up the next problem, which is that of risks. Um, somebody that has worked in the financial system for a while knows that, you know, risk 
do not disappear. You might transform transform them. You might um, mitigate them, but risk is there. And something that that central banks and and monetary authorities uh, know by now is that there is always uh, the possibility of something going wrong and that you don't understand yes that you have not yet foreseen so that's why in general innovation in payment systems in particular tends to be incremental yeah uh and 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 uh, and, uh you know part of the or, or, or an example of that is that in some banks today they still run um you know, some of their systems uh, using COBOL, which was a programming language that developed for business in the 1970s. And very few people today, I mean, I did, when I did tell you how, how old I was, but that was in the 1980s. I did program a little bit on, in, in COBOL and it was being phased out. But why don't they change them? Because, you know, if there is a very small thing that goes wrong, then that cost a number of people, a very large number of people, a lot of money. Uh, and you can Google very quickly the problems that, for example, NatWest in, in the UK or Royal Bank of Scotland uh, or Westpac in Australia had. Um, there is not a lot of information of what, they, what, what was the root of the problem, but certainly, uh, you know, People could not access their, their balances. Payments, direct debits were not being made. Yeah, uh, People could not pay their rent automatically. So, you know, that cost the banks, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of payments in having to, of, of, of uh, dollars in having to make those payments for their customers so that the customers would not, would not leave. Yeah, uh, in, in a more extreme case, um, there is a, a relatively new bank in the UK called the TSB, it's just using an old franchise called the Trusty Savings Banks. Um, and it was bought by a um, Spanish consortium, Bank uh, Sabadell, and they tried to revamp the TSB system, so what they were left from the people that they bought them uh, overnight. And, and it was chaos for months, yes? so. That is part of the, and, and, and you can see that in, in other instances where, you know, innovation, particularly around retail uh, finance, takes place on the margins. And as this innovation it grows mature and people are more confident, you know the risk, you know the, you know, what works, what doesn't work. And that means that you have the skills and the, and the management skills to, to come on top of this, it starts to move towards the, the, the center of the system. Let me put you another very short example of this. Um, when something that was called non-stop uh, computing came about, and there was a, a US company called Tandem Computers, and they had this dramatic demonstration of, of their non-stop uh, system, and that was they had two mainframes running at the same time, and they would literally take the plug from one of them and pull it out and not one single um, you know, computation was, was lost because it was replicated in the other, in the other machine. So one of the first uh, known purchases of tandem computers was Citibank, and everybody thought that it was for the ATMs. We're talking the 1980s, because that was the thing of the time, the technology of the 1980s were, were ATMs, and everybody thought that 
and, and eventually, you know, 10 years later, there, there's a couple of interviews from people from Citibank. Uh, and this is on the context of, of, of the history of tandem computers. And they said, well, yes, we, we were very happy to, to have this system. But no, we didn't put it in, in on top of the of the ATMs because you know we didn't know the system, we didn't know the hardware, we didn't know what was going to go wrong. So it just you know exemplifies um, this point that of of incremental innovation and, and of moving things um, slowly. So so there are a number of issues then that you know seriously question, let alone the the issue of you know, how do you store value in Bitcoin as, as probably most of your listeners would, would be mildly aware of how much the value of the Bitcoin vis-a-vis -vis the US dollar has changed in, in, in its short history. Right. I mean, one thing I've noticed is that Bitcoin fluctuates wildly and that just doesn't seem to be practical to me as a, as a currency for anything. Uh, you know, average Joe or not so average Joe. Um, so again, it's fair to say then that bankers are are conservative, not politically conservative, so to say, but but uh, conservative with innovation. Yes, technologically, uh, okay. they tend to be conservative. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Um. So then you see, in in the U.S. in in the U.S. of A. Right now, there's a there's a cash shortage because so many people are are uh, basically hoarding uh, dollars. Um, so essentially, and because of uh, the virus, we're having to move to a cashless society a lot faster than maybe some people would have wanted. And, um, but, and I, I mean, I know there is a difference between this and, and cryptocurrency, but I wanted someone other than me to say that <laughs> but um yes i if if we, yes. I, I i i've written a short piece on on precisely this issue of whether covid is gonna accelerate or not uh, a, a move to a cashless economy um I'll, I'll be happy to share the the link if you want your your listeners to to follow up on that i'll, I'll appreciate it um, I, I would, I'm sure that some of them would love that. And, and, and without repeating, repeating myself or, or uh, there, 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 there's basically two, two issues here. You, you have, you have a short term and long term dimension to this problem. Yeah. Or to this issue, right? In the short term, um, certainly cryptocurrencies have not shown or, or you know there, there might have been an opportunity for cryptocurrencies to to show how how good they could be in in, in such an environment and and they have been non-existent yeah they, they really nowhere that I that I know uh, have the use of cryptocurrencies to settle the retail transaction increased during the last uh, six or eight months since we've had the, the pandemic. The, they are, you know, a no-show. Um, but you have a number of, of, of things in the short term that are sometimes forces that are uh, acting against each other. Um, yes, there is a shortage of, uh, shortage of, uh, of, of cash, uh, even though 
you know, if you if you look at some of the uh, public statements and contributions to other podcasts from people from the Federal Reserve, they they did try to preempt and they did try to increase the, the amount of cash uh, based on what they had learned from from previous experiences. So they, they, they could see that there might be a need for, to have that, but the logistics were not necessarily there, certainly not at the, at the beginning, to, on, on the one hand. Um, secondly, there are issues of hoarding and of people not returning, uh, especially coins, back into the system or not going into their everyday life as, as they used to and therefore returning banknotes and, and, and coins to the to the to to the system. Um, you know a very short example is um, uh, in gambling, you know, and casinos. People are not going there. Casinos tend, tend to be closed throughout throughout most most countries. Uh, and so there are no of the you know the machines that you put quarters on you know that's that's the money is there or in there or somewhere else but but it's not moving um, um so so on the one hand if, if you see the graphs and we we have a graph for the for the uk but we've seen the same thing in other countries uh, in spain and so on is that initially during the initial months of the pandemic the just as the use of uh, plastic cards and digital payments shoots out. Um, the amount of the transactions using cash drop significantly, but as the time progresses, both are returning kind of to to normal. That is the kind of the short term um, uh, situation. In the long term, yeah. So, so in the, in the short term, you have elements are working in, in, in opposite directions. The key question is in the long term, because a move from now to the, to the cashless economy would uh, require what economists uh, call a, um, a structural break, a substantial change in consumer preferences, a substantial change in um, uh, trading conditions to to have completely abandoned in a relatively short period of time yes uh, the 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 previous uh, setting and and that is a question that is an open question whether a structural change will take place or not in because um, sorry i'm going to go back to the short term yes you have issues to contend uh, you know, if unemployment is, is is rising as it has in many countries, not only in the U.S., um, you know, are people going to go back to cash as a way to have it as a budgeting system, as an effective and well-known budgeting system? If, if the employment situation uh, continues, will they be able to, to maintain their uh, bank accounts, let alone their credit cards? Yes. So, just as you you know, you can speculate very uh, that that you have or that somebody that still has a job uh, has increased the the number of digital transactions that they're doing. Yes, there are other sectors of the, the economy that might have significantly decreased 
the, the, their digital transactions. And if you move, you know, if there is this structural break and you move to a digital economy, then you're going to have uh, a group of people, not only vulnerable consumers, but a group of people that are going to be outside of the of the economy. So it's not um, um, necessarily a good thing. I wasn't thinking it was. I was just, you know, noticing that mm. this is going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm just. You know, if you go back to that brief discussion we had about efficiency and and this view of money as moving to digital payments as being more efficient, yeah, and and you buy into this this discourse, and that's what I said. Well, you know, some people might say, well, it's it's good that we get rid of cash, yes. And, and of coins, we're, we're going to be more efficient. And, and my perspective has been, well, hold on. I mean, are we carrying everybody in this transition or not? Uh, and there is a group of people that might not necessarily be able to make the jump, uh, let alone make the jump quickly. Yes. Um, uh, think of, you know, that's what I'm talking about, vulnerable consumers. Think of, uh, I don't know, uh, blind people. Yeah. Uh, that... Think of uh, one of the things I think of immediately as soon as you said that is older people, people that already have problems with, you know, smartphones and technology in general, and also people on fixed incomes and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, and, and you can see that the, the opposite of, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm for my mother these days as a way to because she used to go once a week to the bank branch yeah but i've taken that as a way to keep her safe yes but but she just uh won't get her 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 head around of how may of how to make a mobile app uh mobile banking app work let alone you know if she wants to uh have to choose between her usual bank or a fintech startup but now we've gone in, you know, and in the same time, I, I haven't convinced my father. And at the same time, some of their friends, you know, same age group, same uh, education, everything else, uh, they're pretty comfortable doing it. But you still have, you know, a number of people that are not going to be able to make that, that jump and you might um, exclude them. And, and, and it is a problem. And even before that, there, there, is a, there are, you know, a number of articles in the New York Times when the, the checks uh, for support uh, to support the, the, the unemployed were coming out in while well, they lasted over the summer, um, one of the banks, certainly the, in, the, in the poorer parts of New York, like Queens and is it Queens? But anyway, the poorer parts of New York had only one branch. It was an Ohio branch, an Ohio bank, I think, that had won the contract to issue the checks and if you wanted to cash your check in any other branch or, or debit it with your plastic card any, anywhere else within New York, you would get a, you know, a very fat withdrawal fee. So there was an incentive to go to the, this one branch within the New York area yeah, and have to wait you know, three, four hours uh, to be able to access the, the ATM from this um, uh, bank. Uh, and save the fee on that, yeah, and so on and so forth. So, you know, is the system ready to handle this? That is the question. 
That doesn't mean that you know the the way that or or that the current payment system, which has been designed to uh, manage or to work around banknotes and cash you know cash transactions, is is fit for purpose. It might be oversized. It might be you know you might need to rethink um, some of aspects of it and and and, and bring it to to work better, yes. I'm I'm not defending the, the the status quo in any in any in any way. No, you're just you're just telling people what's the I mean the barriers and and I think you're right. I think a lot of the barriers are essentially psychological or or just practical even. You know, I mean, you know, some people have problems with you know fingerprint readers on phones let alone, you know, something like a, a computer, you know, digital currency, which didn't exist in 2007. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you know and, and it's, a, but, but here is, you know, you just mentioned, uh, or you brought to mind, one of these things that, you know, other problems or other risks will, will appear. If, you know, as you're giving your fingerprint in your phone or, you know, to enter a, um, you know, it's stored somewhere. Yes. Uh, what happens when when that is hacked? Yeah. Let's say that you had a card reader or your facial features are stored, and and your presence is your your identity is your is the new money, and you just you know you will take a picture from the camera in your computer, and that's how you're going to make payments. But what happens if somebody hacks that database? Because it's basically, ultimately, just a bunch of zeros and ones, yeah? Which is man-made. It's man-made and it's fallible, yeah? So that creates a bigger problem because if somebody hacks your credit card, worth, you know, one of the first things that you do is you call your bank and you get a new credit card number. Then you, you, know, you argue with your bank whether it was you or it was a hacker, that, 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 that's a different, discussion we just simply get a replacement if somebody hacks your your biometrics how are you going to replace them right i mean that's something nobody's even working on right now i would think i mean i don't know i'm sure somebody is um okay just to close out and i'm gonna have to have you stay on the line so to speak while it downloads um, just to close out, um, what do you think the, uh, the lessons from the pandemic from a financial standpoint are? Wow, that's a big question. Um, uh, that, that, that is a big question. I, I have not really thought about that one. Uh, in terms of financial, in terms of for for us as individuals? Uh, yes, sir, in terms of for us as individuals or, or societies. Well, I, I think one. one of the main lessons of the pandemic has been how um, when we are forced to leave and think what is really essential, we, we come into crisis. Yeah? Because it's, it's not doing with us non-essential, I, I wouldn't want to call it superficial, but, you know, the non-essential that are the, the, the aspects that, that are 
uh, coming into crisis in in terms of of finance. Um, I think it's early days because, um, as I said, I, I don't think that people have actually completely changed their their way. I mean, they have adjusted, but uh, I don't think that anybody has really made made um, um, significant or long-term change yet. Uh, let me put it this this where where I'm coming from. Uh, right from the beginning, you know when some people were saying that we're going to have a war on COVID. I don't think it's a war. That, 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 that's one type of philosophy. I'm, I'm more of a, of a um, uh, different type of, you know, Franciscan Aquinas uh, type of philosophy where, where we have to learn how to live with, with, with this thing, because it might be here for much longer than we had expected. Yeah. Uh, it might well. I mean, just just uh, Dr. Fauci last night in the in the U.S. news was was saying that uh, you know even with a with um with a vaccine, the the that doesn't necessarily mean that the virus is going to go away. We we might you know just learn how to deal with it for for a long time. So financially, you know, people are finding themselves in in strange situations because. Um, they are not spending, you know, some people are finding themselves with, with savings by not spending in, in, in things that they didn't have um, or, or, you know, that they were used to, to doing, but not, not now. Um, whereas others are finding themselves in very difficult financial situations, having lost their jobs and not, or, or not being able to, to get a job. And, you know, just so how are we going to, deal with this and and it's it's so so i think that the the it's very much still out um when you know what sort of lessons are going to come out from this yeah i mean for me the thing that that i kind of took away was i have a friend that works in the concert business and she was saying that um that she was saying the promoters were saying that they might not even be able to have big concerts in 2021 so i mean that that was a i guess a red flag for me like oh boy this is going to be here for a while thank you sir if you just stay on the line while it while it downloads i'd really appreciate it thank you thank you ben yeah okay